What's going on, everybody? Welcome to our second MLB episode of the Club Reeks podcast. I'm your host, Tom, here with the co-host, Tim. What's going on? Today, we're going to be breaking down the change of scenery as far as free agent signings in the MLB. We decided to break the uh, first podcast into two separate ones because the first podcast took a really long time. So today, we're just going to break down the free agency signings as far as the change of scenery goes. Anyone that re-signed with the same team, we will not be covering. Before we dive into everything, here's a word from our sponsor on today's podcast. So let's jump into free agency. And Tim, going position by position, I think we start with catcher. Go go catcher first, second, short, left field, center field, right field, starting pitcher, relief pitcher. That order. Okay. So I like to start off here with the catcher. So we're starting off with the catcher, like you were saying. Yep. And one of the catchers that I want to talk about is James McCann, actually. James McCann, who went from the White Sox, and he's now a New York Met, signing a four-year, $40 million deal with the team. I actually like this deal for the Mets because I feel like lately they haven't had as good as a catcher as they should be getting. Mm-hmm. They had Darno for a very long time, who doesn't do well for them, but then it goes on to another team does a very good. Yeah, Wilson Ramos who didn't do that much for the team. Yeah, a couple of catches before that who didn't even do anything. I feel like James McCann can give you both the defensively and the offensively that you need to be a more successful team than you were before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have James McCann written for the catchers too. I think he can make a much larger offensive impact than Ramos did there, than Darno did. Uh, I mean, they've had so much hype as far as prospects, the Mets, and it always seems like they never come through or they constantly get hurt or this is going to be the year that everybody's healthy and it's not the case. But James McCann, he's been relatively healthy the last couple of years. He's proved himself to be a formidable middle-of-the-order player, if he's hitting fifth for them, I think that's a good spot. And I th- I like this move. I think it's a good fit. And I also really like what the Mets did as far as all their free agency moves and trades. So uh, that's a team that I think is going to be better than a lot of people are portraying them, obviously in a division with the Braves that are a very good young team and the Nationals who just won the World Series a couple of years ago. I think this team can make some noise. I agree with that. I feel like they could definitely be one of the people fighting in the area in the NL East this year. Yep. All right. right. Uh, Tim, moving to first. Did you have anybody for first base you wanted to talk about? Well, first base, um, one of the people I want to talk about, he's not really just a first baseman. I feel like he's more of a utility guy. Mm -hmm. But I talk about Marwin Gonzalez. Yeah. I like this guy because Marlon Gonzalez is not just a first baseman. He has a decent bat and all that. He's a guy that can play multiple positions for you, which I feel like that's a, such a big deal. Because if you want to arrest somebody up, you just going to put Marlon Gonzalez at that position. He has a nice bat. This guy could be a good five to six hitter for you. He's been all he's been a Astro in the past, but he has a ring, so he has playoff experience as well, and I feel like that will help out the younger guys in the Red Sox organization to learn from veteran like Marlon Gonzalez. 
Yeah, you know, part of me, I, I've always liked Marvin Gonzalez as a player because he plays everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. He does everything that you want him to do. Minnesota signed him to a pretty big deal coming off the World Series. You know, he had a pretty big role in the World Series team. And honestly, if you look at the scandal with the cheating, with the trash can banging, he was one of the biggest culprits. I think he was the biggest culprit. He had the most bangs when you watched film back. And you saw his first, he he was with Minnesota for two years. Mm -hmm. But you look at his first year in particular, his numbers were so down and he looked lost at the plate. Maybe there is something to that. I don't know. I can't speak on if that played 100% of a role, if that's why he got his money, if that's why he even has a ring. I'm not going to speak on that whole cheating scandal because that was kind of last offseason. However, I don't know if Marvin Gonzalez is the player that he's paid to be. Well, he signed a one-year $3 million. I think that's not that bad of a deal. No, it's not. It's not. It's not a big contract. No. And he obviously lost a lot of his reputation, only signing a $3 million deal, which for a MLB player is not very high. But part of me still questions if he's going to really make an impact for that team. That's saying a lot because that team is like it's full rebuild. Yeah. Another team, another guy that I think is signed this team, he's a veteran as well. A guy that can help out this team is Carl Santana getting signed to the Kansas City Royals. I feel like he can teach the young guys how to play the game all around. He's a decent – he's, like, not great offensively as he used to be, but I feel like he still help the younger people out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, fan favorite in Cleveland, Carlos Santana. And he did leave there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And came back, and the fans love the guy. I know that. I, I listened to a couple of people from the Cleveland area that are Cleveland Indian fans. They love Carlos Santana. And I think he can be a nice veteran presence for the young Royals team. But the Royals do have some veterans there, too, that I really like, like Whit Merrifield, Jorge Soler. Then you bring in a guy like Ben Intendi, who obviously has that experience going and winning a world series already. I don't hate that team. I don't hate that roster. I think they need to definitely work on their pitching, but that roster is a nice group of vets and a nice mix of some young players too. All right. Yeah, that's true. Um, there was now, one more first baseman that I saw here. I also think this guy is just a veteran going to be there. I don't think he's going to, do anything special on the team or anything like that. And that's uh, Mitch Moreland going from the Padres to the A's here, signing a one-year deal. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I didn't have that written. I don't see it being a big deal or having much of an impact personally. But I know Mitch Moreland, he hits his fair share of home runs. I know he splits time usually. He's a lefty, so he'll usually face off with the right-handers, which is most of the time even in the MLB. So he'll split time and he'll get his opportunities. Maybe he'll DH a bunch. That's where I probably think that they're going to put him because they yeah, have one of the better basemen in the league over there. But I think he'll DH and he'll probably split time DHing. So I don't see him 
being a big factor, playing a big role there, but it could be wrong. Yeah, agreed there. Just wanted to get your take on that. Uh, I only have one real impact second baseman. Just moving on from first. And that's Colton Wong. I think Colton Wong leaving St. Louis is a bigger deal than people think. I think he was kind of the heart and soul of that lineup. That team kind of played how Colton Wong played. When he was hot, it seemed like the team was hot and they were winning a bunch of games. When he was cold, it seemed like the team was cold. And he was so good in the last couple playoff runs for them. I don't know. For me, the Cardinals didn't provide much fan service, not trying to keep him around. But I think he'll make a big impact this year, too. Yeah, I like this Brewers organization this year. Now you have Colton Wong in the infield with Travis Shaw. You also have Lorenzo Cain there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you got a nice kind of couple of veteran guys there who could give you some power, give you some contact, have speed. And I feel like this team can be a little bit more competitive now in the NL Central because of the signing with Colton Wong. Yeah, I'm interested to see how he fits in, but I think he'll fit in pretty well. Yeah. I mean, he had a five five point oh WAR. That's that's pretty good yeah. for especially yeah. the second baseman. That's definitely good. Um, I think, like I said, I think people kind of sleep on him a little bit. I think he's a better player than people give him credit for. I agree with that. You have any other second baseman? Um, yeah, there is one from the Red Sox. They signed Enrique Hernandez, who used to be a Dodger. Okay. I think this yeah. guy is also a utility guy. I feel like he could play in the outfield as well, as well as second base. Mm-hmm. He does have your playoff experience, which I always like a guy that has played in the playoffs before and has been in those situations. The guy, I feel like it's one of those guys you can rely on in like those close games coming to the end. He's one of the guys that you want to have on your lineup to help you out. Even defensively, he could be a good, helpful impact. Yeah, and Tim, I, I think you said that his name wrong. I think it's uh, Kiki Hernandez. His nickname. <laughs> That's right. He's Enrique Kiki Hernandez. <laughs> so uh, no, I, I don't. I don't dislike the move from the Red Sox to go get Enrique Hernandez. Uh, he was a big factor in their playoff run last year. The Dodgers, obviously, mm-hmm. and. He could bring some leadership to the to the organization. I know they don't have many members left from the team. I think this is still Xander Bogart's team. I think he's he's gonna wear that C on that jersey by the time his time is done. So I think this is Xander Bogart's team. But bringing in a, an established player to work on the other side of Xander, they gets a decent move. And I I think. You know he's Kiki's never had a prominent of prominent starting role with the Dodgers. He was always either starting when someone got hurt or playing one game out of four in the playoffs, uh, just matching up with the matching up with uh, Jock Peterson as far as getting at bats and going against it. Um, I think. He can see more at bats, so we can see what kind of player he actually is. 
he didn't get his full potential in LA, and I like that signing as well. All right, I agree with that. Um, let's move on. Did you get anything one for third base? Um, I actually did not write anybody for third base. I didn't. Yeah, think I that looked there was at any places. impact. I didn't see that as well. Yeah, so, so that's that's my opinion that there were no true impact signings at third base this year. You can make the argument that Marvin Gonzalez is actually a third baseman, one that you brought up. Yeah. But as far as we're talking about positions, we already spoke about him. I don't have anybody else listed for third base. Yeah. All right. So shortstop then, right? Yep. All right. One of the signings that I liked, and I feel like this team is going to do pretty well this year. Marcus Semien going to the Blue Jays. Yeah, this is interesting to me personally, but I want to. I'm interested to hear your take on the the, the free agency signing. I mean, you got a lot of young guys on that team, especially on the infield with Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and Kevon Biggio. I think signing a guy like a veteran like Marcus Semien is definitely can help them out, especially with Bo Bichette being the other guy in the infield. I feel like now that this team is more built in the infield, they are a very good defensive team. I feel like they could work together offensively as well. And in my opinion, this could be a piece perfect to the puzzle, I feel like. Yeah, the the reason I'm kind of questioning the deal is I don't really know where he fits in. I think Vlad is going to try his time at first base. Sure. But he did lose that weight to try to stay at third base. So they might give him that shot at third base to Simeon move over to third. Does he go to second and you put Biggio in the outfield? It's it's a deal for me that on the surface doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense. He's been a shortstop his entire career. He's 30 years old. He's had an 8.8 war. Part of me is questioning why Toronto, uh, like, why is there interest in going to Toronto? Why is there interest in Toronto signing him? It's one of the more puzzling ones to me. All right. All right. Uh, you got anybody else for shortstop? Yeah, I do have someone else for shortstop. I don't think he's going to play shortstop, but that's Ha Seong Kim went to San Diego. Okay. And. As of today, he's projected to be San Diego's starting second baseman this year. Which makes sense, because you already have Fernando Tatis at shortstop. Mm-hmm. You already have Manny Machado third. So I think second is the only one that's really opened up for someone that's new who comes to the team. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of hype around him. Uh, I don't know that much about his professional playing. I, I haven't seen much. But there is a lot of hyping, not only in camp, and it's the analyst view. They think that he can make an impact. He probably will not be a top end of the, the batting order because that, that's pretty stacked up there. So he'll probably be the lower end. Hopefully a guy that could get on base, steal some bases for you. And really, I think all they're looking for is a solid defensive player because they're no, they know they could score the runs. They just need the defense to help out their pitching staff, to help out their their team in general yeah but you were saying before i agree with you i feel like this guy is more here for the defensive perspective because offensively they have a very good offensive positions right here 
Yep. And they are very more prepared. This guy, I feel like, is going to be more the seventh, eighth hitter. If he does do better, he might move up to sixth or fifth. But I feel like power-wise, they're all set in the power category. Yep. Uh, next guy I'll talk about, um, Andrew Simmons going to the Twins on the Angels. Mm-hmm. A four-time gold glover. This guy definitely has one of the best gloves in the game. He can definitely do a lot in the shortstop area. And especially since you got rid of... Uh, actually, hang on. Never mind about that. But Andrew Simmons, I feel like he does have the great bat. He does have a decent bat, so this guy could be your fifth hitter. He can get you some contact hits, get you on base. But mainly, they signed this guy, I feel like, because of defense, because his glove is really good. Yeah, I think I think Simmons is not spoken about enough from the top shortstops in the league. He's never on the top ten list that MLB puts out. But he was solid for the Angels. I I really like him as a player. Obviously, defensively, he's stellar. He makes some plays that I don't know if too many other people would make in the league itself. So I like the deal. I just don't know how good Minnesota is going to be compared to their past. Uh, part of me is questioning because of their rotation and their back-end pitching. But they score runs, right? Simmons is not the offensive powerhouse for that, but maybe they're trying to improve their defense because they know they're going to score their runs. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that for sure. But we will talk about another guy that actually just left Minnesota that I think is going to make a bigger impact than people think, too. But that will be coming up. Actually, do you have another shortstop that you want to talk about? No, I don't see it. I have anybody else on my list. So then it transitions perfectly. And that player is Eddie Rosario. Eddie Rosario. (laughs) Eddie Rosario was a very well-established player in Minnesota. He was at the top of that lineup, top or middle, depending on how they were hitting and how he was hitting compared to everybody else on the roster. They had a very strong lineup. And this could be one of the more undervalued free agency signings. And I think Cleveland got a pretty good deal. It does kind of contradict their let's fully rebuild and get rid of any aging players. But he could make an impact for the roster. And I think that it was a a win-win situation for both sides. Yeah, I had Eddie Rosario as an outfielder here. But you were saying before, this guy I feel like is a very good power hitter. I feel like he definitely joined Jose Ramirez in the three out of four section here for your offense. You signed him for one year, $8 million, so you didn't even pay that much to get this guy. He can mm-hmm. do what you want him to do. He can get you the hits. He could get you the runs. He could play very good defensively. And I feel like this guy is going to be definitely a helpful impact for your Cleveland Indians team, especially if you're rebuilding. He could definitely help your team motivate going forward. And, Tim, we did transition to the outfield. This is starting the left field position. Right. Okay. All right. Yep. All right, so next left fielder that I want to talk about, Jock Peterson going to the Cubs. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think 
the Cubs like having star power, and Peterson is star power. Obviously, been in the home run derby a bunch. Coming from the Dodgers, he was a big-name prospect. He set the world on fire when he first came up. I think the Cubs still need to put fans in seats if they're going to be allowed <laughs> for a majority <laughs> of the season. So having a guy like Peterson is is a good addition, and he's a veteran in the clubhouse. Hopefully he gets a little more playing time than with the Dodgers because the Dodgers kind of use him in a rotation. So I'm just hoping for that for him. Yeah, but like you were saying, they use them in a rotation. It's kind of hard, though, because you have like a bunch of competition in the Dodgers organization. It's incredible to say that the Dodgers organization, you could use a rotation with Jock Peterson in it. But now I feel like with the Cubs, I feel like he's going to be more of a starter there. He can be compositioned into the team offensively, I feel like, with Anthony Rizzo and Javier Baez and Chris Bryant. So I feel like he can make a face for himself there, maybe, with the Cubs organization, if he does pretty well. Yep. We're in All agreement right. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other left fielders? Um, no, not really. I just got anybody here that's like a big impact. Okay. All right, so let's move to center field. Obviously, we have one of the bigger free agent signings, and that being George Springer. Mm -hmm. Going to Toronto, which we've seen a bunch on this list already. (laughs) Toronto's uh, making a lot of moves. They have Mm -hmm. a very young roster. They have very highly touted prospects. And, you know, they they signed a couple players that... It kind of puts them in a position that I like their roster as much as I don't want to say that as a Yankee fan. But George Springer is a Yankee killer. There's no doubt about that. He has great numbers against us. But the question for me is going to be, where is Springer batting in the order? As we know, their leadoff hitter is usually Bo Bichette. Does Springer take the leadoff role from him because that's where he hit in Houston? Or does he shift back to more of the three hitter and you go Bichette, Biggio, Springer, Guerrero as one, two, three, four, or Guriel? Look, their lineup is is interesting to play around with, to say the least. But part of me wonders where he's going to end up hitting in the lineup. Um, Well, you were, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about here. I like his bet. When I saw this guy at first, I thought I compared him to the Blue Jay defensively as Kevin Pillar, but now I see him as Kevin Pillar with offense now when I see this signing to the team. And he's got the power, so I could see this guy going to the 3 4 spot behind, in front of Boba Shed and Kevon Biggio. Now you got also, now you have a nice outfielding crew with Teoscar Hernandez and Lujos Goriel. Mm-hmm. I feel like this team is definitely complete now with this all these signings and all these trades they made now i feel like that they could definitely be more of a threat in the al east than they were before yep i i agree with you that i think the deal puts them in a a different place Mm -hmm. you know and i don't i actually don't have any other center fielders i don't either 
Okay. So, th- I mean, this makes a huge impact for a team. I actually don't have any right fielders either. I don't either. <laughs> so, just going over the outfielders, there weren't any huge names that moved teams. George Springer obviously being probably the biggest of those names. Uh, Kyle Schwarber is another name to throw out there. I don't know what role he's going to be playing with the Nationals. That's right, Schwarber. Well, I feel like you wanted to get him because he has some power on the team. Because I felt like they were lacking power besides Juan Soto. Yep. There. And also, we also didn't mention this as well, the Josh Bell trade going to the Nationals. I felt like that's also helped out with their power. So now you have your two, three, four hitters now. Yeah, I'm, I'm iffy on Josh Bell, mainly because is he a one-hit wonder or is he more like the numbers he put up last year? And for me, I think he's more like the numbers he put up last year than he is for the numbers he put up in 2019. That's just my take on it, because if you look at the second half of 19, he kind of fell off a cliff as far as his production. So I think that's more like what Josh Bell is. But... I think Schwarber can provide that extra pop, that extra power. You have people on that roster that can get on base. Trey Turner has one of the highest on-base percentages in baseball. He steals a ton of bases. He even gives you some power himself. But I think if he can focus on just getting on base and he's going to get knocked in a lot more, mm-hmm. yeah, I could see the roster being strong. And we already know that their pitching rotation, just their one-two with Scherzer Strasburg is top notch. You're gonna win a bunch of games just like that. Yeah, like you were saying with Schwarber, yeah, he does have the pop. The only concern I have is he did have a pretty low batting average. His career batting average right now is a two thirty. Mm-hmm. I feel like if he wants to be more of a threat, he's definitely gotta move that up to probably a two eighty, two ninety. If you definitely want to see more results out of the guy. Yeah, I mean that's that's been his issue, right? Like he was he was this top level prospect with the Cubs too, and teams were willing to give up everything for this guy, and he kind of faded out. But let's move on to starting pitchers. Okay, let's do that. What do you got? All right, one of the starting pitchers I like to talk about. <laughs> this guy went from the Mariners to the Yanks, and now went back to the Mariners. So that's James Paxton. Okay. <laughs> James Paxton, I felt like he was a very lethal pitcher, number two pitcher with the Mariners. That's why the Yankees were like really liked him. They made the trade to get all these prospects. Two years he did all right. He wasn't like anything special. His first year he did pretty good. Second year he got hurt a bit, and now he's just went back to the Mariners. So basically they got their player back with our with all the Yankees prospects as well. So this guy, I feel like, can be your three, four starter. He's not still not washed up yet. I think he's still a very good pitcher. I feel like he could definitely give you like a couple more years of good pitching. Well, yeah. I so I actually didn't even I didn't have James Paxton in because one, he's going to a team that I don't think is going to be re- very relevant in baseball this year, the Mariners. I know that they they have a lot of really good prospects. I think they have the Fourth and fifth prospect, they're both pitchers, and they're both expected to make their debut some point this year. So we'll keep an eye on their farm system, which ranks pretty high. But the one thing that 
it signaled to me with the James Paxson trade. When you look at some of these other players that are getting signed to the bigger deals, George Springer, obviously Marwin Gonzalez off of the World Series, but he has that experience. Uh, Kiki Hernandez. A lot of players that we mentioned that we think are going to make an impact is purely look at their experience. Look at how they've played in big games. Another player that that, I, that we're going to speak about momentarily, Charlie Morton, has very good playoff credentials. He pitches very well. You look at James Paxson, and he does not. And I think his playoff numbers, granted he was hurt last year. He came back, wasn't himself going into the playoffs. A lot of questions around that. Mm-hmm. But you look at his playoff numbers, and they're really bad. They're really bad. And if you can't pitch in the biggest games, you're not going to get these big deals. So it looks like his deal is going to be a steal for the Mariners. And this is a guy that teams are willing to give up prospects for just two years ago. Yeah. But it just shows that if you can't pitch in the big games, these executives will not want to pay you top dollar, will not want to take that two or three year deal chance on you. They'd rather give somebody who's aging out kind of a one-year deal. Hey, let's go for one more ride. Yeah, all right. I agree with that one. That's true. That's true. Uh, all right. So just on that note that I brought him up, let's talk about Charlie Morton. Yeah. Charlie Morton, one-year deal with the Braves. Mm-hmm. He's 37 years old. Very simple why he wanted to – excuse me. Very simple why he wanted to go there. Very simple why they wanted him. They want to win. They want a veteran in the rotation. They want to bolster as much as possible. They have some really nice prospects, one being Ian Anderson, who will be in that rotation. They want someone with the resume, with the experience. And it's very clear that Charlie Morton wants to win another ring. So he's going to go to a team that wants him and presents him with an opportunity to do that. And the Braves gave him that opportunity. I think this is a win for the Braves. I think it's a win for Charlie Morton. And I think that they'll make a run. I don't think they're as good as the Dodgers or the Padres. But I think they'll make a run, and then he'll retire right off in the sunset. He's good. Yeah, I like this deal, too. Because I feel like this team is already stacked with your offense with Ronald Kuna, Freddie Freeman, Marcelo Zuna, Dansby Swanson. Now you just helped out your pitching a bit. You already have Max Fried, and you already talked about the prospect, Ian Anderson. Now you just picked up a veteran ace in Charlie Morton. You also picked up another veteran with Drew Smiley. Now you got this pitching crew all covered up, and I feel like this team can definitely be the NL East winner, my prediction. Yeah, like I said before, I like what the Mets did. I think they'll be competitive with them. The Phillies can surprise me. Uh, Their roster isn't bad, but they just never seem to put it together. The Marlins had a credible year last year, but I don't see them repeating that. And then you have this battle, I think, with these pitching staffs, with the Braves, with the Nationals, with the Mets. Their pitching staffs are just more rounded off, and Scherzer's been there before, and Strasburg, obviously a World Series MVP a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. I like the NL East. I think you're going to get a couple of teams going to the playoffs from the NL East, and I think that they'll be competitive the whole year, not only with teams in their division, but teams outside of it. 
Yeah, I definitely could see the Braves as one of those teams that definitely make the playoffs, whether it's winning the division or winning the wild card. I do definitely see that for sure. And for the final one that I have, Tim, as far as the starting pitchers, the big one of the biggest deals is of Trevor Trevor Bauer. Oh yeah, I was about to say that one too. I agree with you there. Signing uh, a three-year deal, $102 million is nice for him. But yeah, now, I mean, like, for me, a team that it seemed couldn't get any more richer just did. And a rotation that already features Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller, Dustin May is going to come up and be a prominent starter there. Now you add Trevor Bauer, who's fresh off a of Cy Young, that's pitched in the national league now for a full season he understands the game there everyone says it's a little different but i know they're instituting that dh again so it's not going to feel that different i i think this move puts the dodgers in even a better place to repeat because trevor bauer has the not only the playoff experience he has the world series experience obviously cut his hand at the beginning of the playoffs but came back after during that run with Cleveland. But I, I think the move is incredible for the Dodgers. They were able to uh, to steal them away. And I think that the fact that their roster is more built out and they're more ready to win today than the Mets, I think that's why he went up signing there rather than the Mets. Yeah, like you were saying, Trevor Bauer wants to get a ring. I feel like the Dodgers can help him get over there. You were saying before, now you have Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller, and Trevor Bauer. That's like a very lethal trio. As well as David Price, who is a veteran starter, who can help you out in the longer haul in the games. Julio Urias is another decent starter that I like, that is also pretty good. Now I feel like you just replaced, you got your high-engine Ryu guy replaced Mm -hmm. now with Trevor Bauer. You have now a very good offensive crew. With Boogie Betts, Justin Turner re-signed with the team, helped out. Now I feel like with the starting rotation, though, you have three guys that could definitely last you five, six innings easily, no problem, with Kershaw, Bueller, and Bauer. Yeah, uh, there's not much more to say about it. They're, they're a stacked team and just got better. Yeah. <laughs> um, moving on to relief pitchers. Okay. Do you have anybody? Relief pitchers. Yes, I do. My first relief pitcher I like to talk about is Blake Trinan from the going to the Dodgers as well <laughs> on a freaking two-year, $17.5 million contract. So they did lose a reliever in Pedro Baez this year. They just – they yeah, sorry. Um, so, yeah, you just replaced um, – you just replaced Pedro Baez now with Blake Trinan. Who has, who's a very good reliever, who could definitely be in the holding position and help Kenley Jensen out, be a, like a seventh or eighth inning pitcher. And I feel like now you've picked up a stronger reliever and you could go definitely in the later games with this guy. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have Blake Trinan on there because he was a Dodger last year. So it's not really a change of scenery. But. Blake Trinan was a top reliever a couple years ago, right, with the Oakland. You were talking about a perfect closer, right? He didn't blow any saves. Yeah. 
So he does make a huge impact. I thought he would last year, but he had a couple of injury issues, and uh, he's going to play an interesting role. I think he might be a seventh-inning guy maybe for them, but I think he is a great pitcher, and he can get the job done for them. All right. Well, I made a mistake there. My bad. Um, I like to pick again then. Uh, the next guy I like to talk about was Liam Hendricks, actually. Okay. Liam Hendricks went from the A's to White Sox. First couple of years, he didn't do that great, but I felt like later on he did get better. He started becoming more of a good closer. This guy has 40 saves in his career. He has 526 strikeouts, though, which is a pretty mm-hmm. good number. His whip is a 1.27, so... He can give you – I think this guy is going to be the closer for the White Sox. He mm-hmm. can give you an eighth, ninth inning relieving role. And this was one of the bigger deals. Four-year, $54 million for a reliever is a lot of money for a closer. Yeah, uh, I like this move too. The White Sox are one of those teams that it seems like baseball fans latch onto because they have all of this young talent. So they want to see them be good, and they're like, oh, this is the next up-and-coming team. They have this young star power in Luis Robert. Uh, Jose Abreu is so consistent. Tim Anderson is very good as well. He had a couple of crazy bat flips and stuff at the beginning of last year. I remember distinctly. Uh, yep. Teams like that that you always kind of want to root for. Also, another guy that you didn't mention, Lloyd Jimenez as well. Yeah. I like yeah, I mean, the team is good, right? Like, they're obviously missing a couple of pitching pieces, and Liam Hendricks helped solve that. Absolutely. He could definitely help you out with the relieving, for sure. Yeah, and the final person that I have on my list, obviously, if you have more, you can add to this. But the last one I have is Kirby Yates going to the Blue Jays. And I think the Blue Jays struggle with their, you know, bullpen. Their relief pitching is something that's always kind of a question. It seems like they never have it locked down other than the closer. So adding him, uh, he's model of consistency recently, solid closer, and I think that it helps the team a lot. Yeah, I see this guy. This guy has some experience in the playoffs. I feel like getting this guy to help you out a relieving crew is going to help. I feel like this guy will probably be the closer for the Blue Jays. He does have some closing experience, so I feel like he's definitely going to help you out. He has he got 41 saves in 2019, so it's not like he's not a bad reliever. Like He can yep. give you those big save opportunities if you need him to. So I feel like this was a good pickup. Yeah, I mean, if you look at their roster, their bullpen arms, there are a lot of question marks in regards to who some of these guys are, what their experience is. But that we have some experience personally with some of these guys, like David Phelps. He was a Yankee for a little while. A.J. Cole seems like he bounces around the American League East these days, going from True. team to team just to help out in roles. But there's no guy here that I'm like, oh, he's a difference maker, other than Kirby Yates, who has that experience. Yeah, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that for sure. Kirby Yates could probably help some of these relievers out, especially if it's the younger guys. They probably could 
be somewhere in the seventh, eighth inning. Help Kirby Yates out. As long as you just hold it like an inning or two, just so then you get this guy to close it out for you guys, mm-hmm. I think they'll be all right overall. Yeah. Yep, I, I agree. All right. Well, I do have another reliever that I want to talk about. Sure. This team does have a lethal stack of starters, but what, they also need some relieving to help them win. Since they lost Kirby Yates, I feel like this guy is going to just replace him in, and that's Mark Melanson. Mm-hmm. Used to be the Braves reliever, used to be the Giants reliever. Now this is going to be the Padres closer, I feel like. He does have the closing role. He can even be your 7th or 8th inning holder as well. But at least this guy has a veteran experience to keep you guys in the game in the 7th inning. If you're down one nothing or tied 1-1, you could use someone like this to help you out for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a fan of Mark Melanson. I don't know where he is at this point of his career to be a prolific closer for one of the better teams in baseball. I don't know if he's that guy. Maybe he is, but for me, I, I don't think he is. But we'll see what ends up happening between training camp and hearing other news. Every The games just started kicking off you know, a couple of days ago, so we'll see as these things progress. Okay. <laughs> Oh, was that your last one? Uh, one more I got. All right. The last final one. Uh, the Nationals getting Brad Hand. Mm-hmm. The guy used to be on the Cleveland Indians. This guy has have. This guy used to be a big deal with Cleveland. He used to be like mm-hmm. the big closer. They always wanted to help you out get the wins. Now this guy's going to the Nationals with 3.5 uh, 3.5 ERA. He has a 105 career saves, 624 strikeouts. I feel like this guy could help you out in the later ends of the game. This guy might be your official closer for the season for the Nationals. Yeah, look, Brad Hand's a guy that it didn't seem like too many teams wanted, so I'm wondering if he's kind of on the downturn of his career. But we've seen pitchers lasts a lot longer than we've thought in baseball, and Brad Hand certainly can do that. He's going to play a prominent role in that bullpen for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my last one I wanted to talk about. All right. Well, I think, Tim, we just completed the first episode of Club Riggs yeah. podcast. Mm-hmm. I think uh, this thank- was pretty cool. What was up, Tim? I think this was pretty cool. This was exciting. To do my first ever podcast here, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I mean, this is just gonna get easier to talk with, and we want to try to get more fan involvement as we grow and we start to develop a rapport with people. So, with that being said, thank you everybody for listening. Please stay tuned for Saturday when we have our NFL episode. But if you're purely on baseball, you only want to hear MLB. Just tune in every Tuesday. We should be publishing episodes around 8.30, o'clock every Tuesday night and by noon on Saturdays. So thanks, everybody, and catch you on the next one. Yeah, see you guys around.